if you're a, a man, you go about 70 to 90 days without eating before you die. That's Dave Asprey, founder and chairman of Bulletproof, innovator of Bulletproof Coffee, and three-time New York Times bestselling author. What you do when you do something called intermittent fasting is you basically teach the body to stop whining so much. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp Video, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. I sat down with Dave Asprey to discuss how to hack your biology to increase energy, focus, and performance. Screw optimization. I just want more. I want better. I want faster, stronger, longer lived, more energy. And I don't want to give anything up to do it. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Dave Asprey has been Don, the father of biohacking, and has worked with world-renowned doctors, researchers, and scientists to uncover the latest, most innovative methods for enhancing mental and physical performance. Dave has personally spent over $2 million taking control of his own biology, pushing the bounds of human possibility in, in the name of science, evolution, and revolution. Dave's mission is to empower the entire globe with information and knowledge that unlocks the superhuman in everyone at any age. But what was the genesis of all this? What started me on this path is I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a Silicon Valley tech guy where I started. And in my, my mid-20s, I'd hit 300 pounds. I'd worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I tried low-fat, low-calorie diets. And even after you know a year and a half of intense exercise and just eating nothing to speak of, I still had a 46-inch waist. And I was feeling dispirited by this. But worse, in my career, and I was a co-founder of a company that held Google's first servers when it was two guys and a computer. And the part of the business that I, I started grew to $100 million a quarter in revenue. And I find myself attending board meetings, but I'm not allowed to speak because I'm still relatively early in my career, but I, I ran technology strategy for a $36 billion company. And the whole time, I never told anyone this, I was cripplingly exhausted. I had massive brain fog. I'd sit in meetings, I'd like bite the inside of my cheek to try and like stay focused because I loved what I was doing and I was so interested. I had the accelerator all the way to the floor and I was slowing down. I could push harder, but there's no, nowhere else to push. And doctors were worse than useless because they're like, oh, if you actually were exercising and eating a low-fat diet, you would have lost weight, therefore you're lying. <laughs> I'm like, therefore I'm not paying you for this appointment because I did everything that I just said and I'm asking for help here. So I realized, look, if we can troubleshoot the internet, which is cool because most of the internet is controlled by people who aren't you, yet somehow you can hack it. And I am a computer hacker by training. Well, maybe I can turn that, how do I manage a complex system? How do I turn that knowledge around on myself? And I started measuring what worked. And I realized a lot of the stuff that I've been told was just BS. And it was dogma, it was a belief system, but it was not based on science. It was not based on our understanding now of how biology works. And it took a lot of studying. I eventually spent more than a million dollars on hacking my own biology. 
and I've lost the weight. I've gotten younger. My brain has the response time of a 20 year old. I have the visceral fat levels of a 20 year old and I'm 48. So something here is working because if I could start out with all the diseases of aging before I was 30, we're talking uh, prediabetes, high risk of stroke and heart attack, arthritis and cognitive dysfunction. Oh, and chronic fatigue syndrome. And I ditched all that. And I said, all right, I feel like I've achieved a sense of mastery over this subject matter, even though I have an MBA from Wharton and my degrees in artificial intelligence and computer information systems. So I'm going to start sharing this because what I know is an algorithm for human performance. And you shouldn't be hungry all the time. You should have more energy than you need all of the time. So that state of being bulletproof is just saying, look, I know I've got what it takes to handle whatever life brings my way. It means I can maintain focus all day long. I can absorb information better than other people and certainly better than I used to be able to. And I can remember it. I can recall it. I can structure it. And to an entrepreneur or someone who works in a cognitively demanding business environment, that is actually a sense of, of peace because there's an effortlessness that can happen when you have enough biological energy. Dave's personal success making these lifestyle changes was only the beginning. The next step was to find a way to share his insights with the world. My first blog was called The Bulletproof Executive because no one ever wrote for business people. And it was almost like, oh, well, let's just assume business people want to all be like weekend warriors or something. And I don't know about everyone listening to this. You know, some people are runners or cyclists and good for you. That's great. For me, I just want my brain to work all the time. And I'd like to be really healthy and full of energy, right? And whether I have ripped abs or not, look, I'm married. I have two kids. My wife will love me whether I have a dad bod or not. If I have more energy and more brain, I'll have a dad bod. Fortunately, abs are kind of a side effect of doing things right. I also don't want to waste a minute. I don't want to exercise eight hours a week if I can get the same results or better in two hours a week, which you can do. <laughs> so like, how do I get my time back and how do I get more energy? And every single thing you do, everything you put on your plate, the way you go to bed, the way you exercise, what you do, there's an ROI. It's not an ROI that's based on money. You invest energy into something and you get energy back. Because if you have enough energy, you can better leverage your time and you can make more money. But if you're out of energy and you have time, all you're going to do is sleep. <laughs> and if you're out of energy and you have abundant time, you're not going to be able to make more money with that time because you're too damn tired and you're unfocused. What I found was that in business, especially at the upper echelon where I operated in Silicon Valley and in the places where Bulletproof caught on first, it went from Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, developers, people who are mental to Wall Street. And from there, it went to Hollywood, because if you're going to be an actor or an actress or a big musician, you've got to be able to bring that energy and you've got to look a certain way and you've got to be able to act a certain way and have your brain work all the time. These are the hardest things to do. And it's the same thing. Look, if you need to absorb a bunch of briefs, you have to read a bunch of things, some of which you probably don't care that much about. You have to be able to formulate the picture in your head that lets you stand there in court and recall what you need to do and have a picture of it and do strategy in real time while maintaining the right appearance, right? Well, not looking lost and not having a brain fart in the middle of looking in front of a judge or making an important argument or when you want to write something at two in the morning because it has to happen. Those are the state of being bulletproof that I created this whole thing for. So the side effect of having tons of biological energy is that your brain is capable of that stuff. If I can do that with my incredibly bad start, 
I think most people can do it. In fact, most people in about two weeks of going bulletproof, like I can't believe my brain can do this. And for an intellectually demanding job, like being an attorney, there is no better program because it was designed for people like us. So I, I love to delve deeper into this because it was talking about the new book and it came out at the start of the year, Fast This Way, How to Lose Weight, Get Smarter and Live Your Longest, Healthiest Life with the Bulletproof Guide to Fasting. I mean, it sounds amazing. And I, I believe you've been fasting for years and long before this you know, gained any widespread popularity. But I'm sure there's a lot of misconceptions around fasting. Uh, people hear about their various fad diets and so on. But how do you define fasting? Fasting is going without. It's choosing to go without something that you or your body thinks you need. And an example is food, the most obvious form of fasting. If you're a, a man, you go about 70 to 90 days without eating before you die. So if you didn't get the muffin before you walked in <laughs> to the courtroom, the truth of the matter is that you're not going to die. The reality of the matter is that you'll probably feel like you're going to die. So what you do when you do something called intermittent fasting uh, which has been a big part of the Bulletproof program, is you basically teach the body to stop whining so much about things that it thinks it needs that you don't need. And the reason this is important is some of the new research in, in Fast This Way is that 15% of the average person's thoughts every day are about what's for lunch. And you can use the techniques in this book to turn off the hormones and turn off the biological response that sucks your brain power. And when that happens, there's a sense of clarity that comes. It's one of the many different ways you can bring clarity into your thinking and more energy into your thinking. And I promise you that if you're sitting there thinking about tacos and it's 11 a.m. and you're looking to pay attention and look like you're paying attention in a courtroom... <laughs> Thinking about tacos doesn't serve you, yet you're doing it. It is something that you can switch off. And if you're the guy who has the most energy, the most focus, and it costs you less to have those than everyone else, you have an unfair advantage. So intermittent fasting is about teaching the cells to make more energy and teaching your body to not give you a sense of anxiety around food. And another name for this is metabolic resilience. And what this means is, it's possible to be perfectly focused all day long, to not have the afternoon dip, to be at your strongest whenever you need to be at your strongest, and to be able to stand up and deliver whatever you need to deliver in a place where you've thought about your words, you've thought about their impact on the situation, and you actually have energy left over at the end of it. And you walk out of there going, that was not a big deal. I've got this, even though it was a high stakes meeting. That requires more than just learning how to do intermittent fasting. I've done a lot of neuroscience work on my brain. I run a neuroscience institute that teaches brains to not waste energy. But first of all, if you can just make energy very well in your brain by teaching your body, hey, sometimes you won't have energy, therefore clean up your cells that don't work very well, what you end up is you're a happier, healthier, higher performance human being who can stay focused with a lot less work. And that gives you a really big advantage especially if you want to be really sneaky about it. You know, if you bring donuts in for people, you know, the opposing side and you don't eat them because you don't want them and they eat them, who's going to win? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I love this in the sense that you have this approach of almost like the ROI on things. Like, so like you mentioned, I mean, your, your job is to be a high performance human being. Uh, not only does that help you enjoy everything in life, but it's to really think about, I think there's a point in the book where you mentioned that with every craving, ask yourself if you're getting an ROI on it. Yeah. 
Cravings just cost. There's no return on those. And what you find really quickly is if you start monitoring your mental state, like how much work was it now to you know, read this 80-page brief? Or how much work is it now to get up and do you know, what I'm going to do in my meetings today? Is it lower than normal or is it higher than normal? If it's higher than normal, it's your fault. You did something. You slept like garbage last night. You had a glass of wine before dinner, which unfortunately isn't healthy. Sorry, I wish it was. It will lower your sleep quality. But what you will find is that if you said, oh, this morning I'm going to make myself breakfast and you have a healthy breakfast of oatmeal and croissants and carbohydrates and honey and you know God knows what, and you put who knows what else in your moldy coffee that you bought at the corner on your way into the office, you spend a lot of money and time on that and the ROI was terrible. I will propose to you straightforward that if you had no breakfast or you had bulletproof coffee for breakfast, you will actually have more mental clarity and you'll save time and you'll save a negligible amount of money. It's not really about money at that point. It's just about, did I have more energy, more focus? Yes, you did. And a side effect is you'll live longer, but hey, <laughs> there's that. I know we talked about the, the energy benefits of fasting, right? But what are some of the other health benefits? Because I know there's several other aspects of this, you know, such as like burning fat and so on. Well, there, there's something called autophagy. And what this is, is it means self-eating, if you go back to the Latin. And when your body is busy digesting breakfast, especially protein or carbs, what it does is, is it takes the enzymes that it would have used to repair your cells, to burn up old junky cells that either aren't doing anything or cells that are very weak cells and replace them with young cells. It takes the energy and it says, oh, I'll just use that energy to digest the eggs I had for breakfast. So having these periods of time when the body's repair systems, instead of digesting, are focused on repair and restoration, it makes a really big difference. And over time, what you start seeing is your body's ability to convert 30 pounds of air that you breathe every day and however much food you eat every day, all you really do is you combine those two to make electrons. The same electrons that power your iPhone are actually powering your body. And if you do a good job metabolically of converting those, you have a ton of energy. And 48% of people under age 40 and everyone over age 40 who's not on an anti-aging program has mitochondrial dysfunction. They just suck at turning food and air into energy. And that means when you're in a high demand state, like say you're in front of a judge and there's $10 million on the line, <laughs> well, you turned the volume all the way up, but it really only went up to six because your body forgot there was seven, eight, nine, and 10 available. And when you use intermittent fasting, which is effortless to do when you do it the way I'm talking about, we're not talking about being hypoglybitchy or hangry or weak or distracted in the morning. We're talking about being better than you are now in the morning. You do that, all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, there is a seven, eight, and a nine, and a 10 on my energy knob. So when you stand up, like, man, I'm going to bring it, and I just got that fact. Oh, and I forgot I'm going to mention that. And you pull all this stuff together, and you're actually way stronger than you were before. And it's hard to express how relaxing it is to just have what's in your head available to you without having to stop and stress. And there's a, a lot of, of things that happen that I think are worth going through that are right in the book, Fast This Way. And it's useful, especially for attorneys, because this is how we're wired before we think. And this is something that knowing this about yourself is useful and knowing it about the people that you're working for or against <laughs> is also useful. And it's that all life forms follow this basic algorithm. And the first thing 
if you were to design something to stay around forever, number one, if there is a threat, you with 10 times more effort and focus, you must respond with fear, which is you run away from kill or hide. Right. And we've all seen people who freeze on the stand or people get really aggressive on the stand. In fact, you know, if you're a trial lawyer, you're trained to make people aggressive. So they'll say stupid things, right? You poke at them until they get pissed. Right. By the way, you can tell I've been deposed. <laughs> so, you know, all of that stuff happens. And then you also have the, you know, I, I want to run away anxiety, but all of those things, we're wired in our cells to do that. And a plant will do that. When plants are stressed, they start making a lot more toxins. That's how they kill people. And, you know, Every life form, a little bacteria have the same thing. If it might kill me now, I must react and it steals all my focus. Now, someone who's about to lose a lot of money or about to go to jail or whatever, they feel like they're going to die and they respond with that first F word. It takes all their energy. Now, if they have more energy, they can handle it better. But the second F word is food because all life forms, whether they're human or not, they die of famine quite often. So if there's food, eat everything. And that's why when someone puts the bagels in front of you in a meeting, you start thinking about bagels. And that little voice in your head, it's not you. It's actually your cells going, hey, is that food? You know, most animals die of starvation. You better eat it. And that's why you'll eat everything unless your adult mind is present. And that's why it steals your focus. Unless your cells are like, we're not hungry because you ate the right stuff or you didn't eat the right stuff. So you didn't trigger hunger. Therefore, focus happens. And the third thing that all life forms have to do to stay around on the earth is also an F word. You can use it. We, uh, we can make this an explicitly rated podcast. We don't have any sponsors to answer to. I was thinking it was fertility, but I mean, if you just want to go straight to the F word, man, but, but whatever you want to call it, that gets about three times more. So 10X fear, 5X food, 3X, I'm going to get some. And every single person listening to this episode and every one of their clients, everything you've ever done that you're ashamed of came from one of those three things. And they're not you, they're in your cells. This is driven from within your biology. And if you have enough energy, and intermittent fasting is a core part of this, what you end up realizing is, wait a minute, I can handle, I have enough energy to turn off the fear, and I already just ignored the food, and well, I'm probably not thinking about getting laid right now because I'm in the middle <laughs> of a busy work situation, but all of those things, our major energy sucks, but you must eat, you must defend yourself when you're actually at risk, right? And you must have some love in your life because, well, otherwise it feels like the species is dying. That's why people are unhappy when they're lonely for long periods of time. So these are wired in. And all I'm proposing is that having more energy lets you manage all three of those better and turning off something that takes five times more focus than it should, which is food, you turn off that craving, your ability to focus goes up dramatically in life, not just in court. I'm thinking by this point that anyone's listening to this podcast, hopefully they're sold, right? I mean, we talk about so many of the health benefits of fasting, uh, everything, but as you mentioned, energy, reducing inflammation, improving insulin sensitivity, maybe producing more stem cells. I mean, in a way, it's almost like the fountain of youth. It's the highest ROI thing because the cost is less than having breakfast. It took less time than breakfast. And the returns are very big and they're noticeable. Now, I know someone's wondering, though, they're like, okay, Dave, so what do I do? Like, what do I just not eat? I mean, essentially, like, if you could delve into like the stages and perhaps styles of fasting. Let me write the world's most obvious fasting book. Here's how to fast. Don't eat for a while. And then, oh, here's some studies that say it's good for you. And, and there's plenty of books that kind of contain that. And I wouldn't write one of those because they exist. What's missing, though, is the schedule 
And does it matter whether you're a man or a woman? And there's a whole chapter for women in the book. But what's missing too is how do you get started? Because the last thing I'd want to do is have someone hear this episode and say, oh, tomorrow I'm just going to skip breakfast and I'm going to go to court. And then, man, I'm really hungry and I'm distracted and I'm kind of fading. Because this will happen if you have a few pounds to lose and you haven't really done much about your health. So how do you get started? It turns out an intermittent fast, even of just 12 hours, is useful, but going for 16 or 18 hours without food is better. And there's three fasting hacks that I designed for people to start fasting when they have a life. Because a traditional fasting approach that's done by all the world's major spiritual practices, and even medically, is you fast and rest. But I'm sorry, you have kids, you have a life, and you're probably not going to rest. So when you first get started out, you're going, man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to go without breakfast and show up the way I want to show up. So the three hacks that are in the book that you can apply to any kind of fasting, whether it's just a, you know, 14 hours, I just had a late breakfast and that was all I wanted to do today versus I decided I'm just not going to eat anything until dinner, which is called a one meal a day fast. I explain all the variations between that and you can say, oh, instead I'll just eat normally, but then, you know, once every week or two, I'll just go a day or two without food. And when you said people go, what? That's insane. But here's the three hacks that make this doable. Your job is to turn off the hunger signals. And a traditional faster, you know, water only is going to say, well, you just have to deal with them, just lay on a couch and relax and just, you know, roll with it. And there is a kind of spiritual fasting where you might want to do that on a weekend when you can rest and reflect and all that. But I'm going to assume you have a life to live in the meantime. So those two hunger hormones are called ghrelin, which is the thing that makes you hungry, and then CCK, which is also the big word for it is cholecystokinin. And CCK is the fullness hormone. And raising ketones, these fat-burning bodies that you've probably heard of the keto diet, I'm one of the guys who helped to make the keto diet popular, although there's some little asterisks about how to do it right that are very important. You don't need to be keto all the time. And Intermittent fasting or fasting can raise your ketone levels a little bit. And when your ketones go up a little bit, less than the full-on keto bro mode, what you end up with is you turn off hunger and you turn on satiety, those two hormones. The first hack for fasting is black coffee. And if you drink the Bulletproof Beans, it won't change my life. If you do or don't, the companies become sizable, but it'll probably change your life because there are mold byproducts in coffee from the way it's fermented that cause cravings an hour or two. And they also give you the jitter anxiety. We've all like drank a bad cup of coffee and got a headache or wanted to punch people. It's not the coffee. It's what's in the coffee that does it. And I lab test my coffee. We produce it differently. But even if you're just going to do regular black coffee, studies show the amount of caffeine in two small cups of coffee, double ketone production. So there you go. You woke up and you had some coffee. Wow. That's better than just waking up and having water if you want to function. Level two for this is you make it a bulletproof coffee, which means you add a little bit, doesn't have to be a lot, of grass-fed butter, no protein, no creamer, no almond milk, no carbohydrates, and you add MCT oil. And there's a specific kind called C8 MCT, or Brain Octane is the bulletproof brand of that. And the reason MCT oil is so important is this one type of it, the C8 form, it will quadruple ketone production. Normally you have to fast for two days before ketones turn on and then you get the mental clarity that people are going for when they fast in a cave. My argument for you is that you don't have two days of fasting and feeling like crap in order to turn on ketones so you feel good because you actually had work to do today. So you drink your bulletproof coffee, 
And then people say, well, that's not fasting. There was calories in there. Well, calories are not all the same. If you don't eat any protein, you still get autophagy, this magic power of fasting. If you don't eat any carbohydrates, your insulin levels stay low. And your body says, all I can do is burn fat. And you didn't give me enough fat to power through the day, but you already turned on my fat generation and you turned off your hunger cravings. So now you have enough energy to not only perform, you actually feel better than you did when you had carbs for breakfast because ketones have more octane. They have more power, more calories than burning sugar. And the neurons in your brain want ketones more than they want glucose in studies. They'll actually suck all the ketones out of your blood because this is the highest performing part of your body. So now you're sitting there, you really need to think and act and you have the energy to do it even though your body thinks it's fasting. You've tricked it. Understanding the science of intermittent fasting is one thing, but putting that knowledge into action is where the rubber meets the road. I asked Dave to elaborate on how to actually apply these insights. Here's the, the schedule that works best. Have an earlier dinner, not a later dinner. And when you start building that into your routine, uh, you want to eat before it's dark if you can, and you want at least three and ideally more than three hours between your last bite of food and when you go to bed. You're going to sleep better. So the ROI on the time you spend in bed was higher as a result of doing that. But if you, let's say you had dinner at, you know, six, you go to bed at 10, you've got four hours of fasting after dinner if you didn't have, you know, a midnight snack or something, which you don't want to do. So then you slept for eight hours or seven, whatever it is, but okay, you've got 12 hours of fasting if you just woke up, which is the very, very basic minimum. Then you do these hacks that are in fast this way for breakfast you feel better as a result. You are less hungry than you would be if you had breakfast. Truly, someone will put food in front of you at 10 a.m. when you normally would want it. You just don't care. It takes no willpower to say no to a donut when you're already full, and that's what these do for you. And then all of a sudden, it's noon, and you're saying, wait, I just fasted for 16 hours, and then you have lunch, and you have dinner, and you do it again. It's not that hard. But if you have dinner at 9 p.m., right? And you wake up and you have breakfast right away, your body never gets a break. And it's that easy to do. And eventually, if you do these fasting hacks, and there's another one that's in the book, what you find is that it doesn't really matter if you use the fasting hacks. You'll probably like doing coffee because it's a cognitive enhancer anyway, and it's good for you and lots and lots of studies. But regardless, you're going to be so just, just, full of energy, whether or not you add your MCT oil or not, because your metabolism has gone through and it's gotten rid of all the weak parts and replaced them with young, strong parts. And now you are a highly resilient human. Oh, and then if you, I don't know, fly across the country on a red eye for a specific thing you had to do, and you're exposed to all sorts of bacteria and viruses that we've always been exposed to, you don't get sick because you have resilience. Now, I was a guy who was on antibiotics every month for 15 years when I was young because I get sinus infections or strep throat. It was just a chronic thing. It drove me nuts. Before all this coronavirus overreaction, I was flying or traveling 150 days of the year. And I very, very rarely get a cold or anything else because I have a resilient metabolism, even though biologically, I actually don't have great genetics for that kind of stuff. So what you'll find is that your resilience goes up, which means I have more power for thinking. I have more power for emotional control so people can't get under your skin. It means your relationships improve at home because you're less emotionally reactive. When your brain doesn't have enough energy, you start acting out of the first F word, the second F word, the third F word, and you know you act like another kind of F word. And those things, all of those happen at once because of fasting. 
And part of it is just overcoming the body's belief that you're going to die if you skip a meal. It's just BS. It's not true, but it sure feels true. And you look at someone and go, I'm starving. No, that takes a couple of months. You were just kind of hungry. Except if you feel like you're starving, you actually are having a craving. And I teach people in fast this way, here's what to do to just not have any cravings anymore. Because I promise you that if you eat a bunch of foods that cause cravings and then you try to fast, it's going to be a rough fast. But if you learn which foods make you hungry, maybe those aren't the right foods for you. Now, I'd, I'd love to talk about exercise. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that believe that when their body's running low on calories or when they're fasting, that, that potentially would not be a good idea to exercise. But you actually argue that the best time to exercise is at the end of a fast. Yes, especially for intermittent fasting. And this sounds crazy, but what an intermittent fast is, it's a little bit of a stress on the body. It's a hormetic stressor. One of those, if it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger kind of things. And exercise is the same thing. It tears down muscle in order to cause the body to build stronger muscle. And normally people are saying, oh, I'm going to have a pre-workout. I'll drink a bunch of sugar or something, which is a 1980s approach to building muscle by causing insulin to spike. Insulin does cause you to put on muscle. Unfortunately, it has a lot of downsides. What you do is you wait until right before lunch or right before you're going to break your fast and then you exercise and people say but my workout might not be as intense i don't care make it as intense as you can you'll be surprised at how good your workout is a lot of people set their personal records when they're exercising at the end of a fast but you're going to do this and then you're going to be really hungry and then you eat and this is when you get the highest roi on your exercise and speaking of exercise there are a lot of people who want to be fit and healthy who over-exercise because we've been told that's what works. I certainly fell for that trap. The ROI on excessive exercise is very low because it takes a lot of time, right? And that's time you didn't get to spend on relationships. You didn't get to spend it relaxing or sleeping or doing something for your health or something to support your community. You just were pounding it out in the gym because you thought it would work. And one of the things that blows me away when I look at the world of biohacking, I have a company called Upgrade Labs. We're at the Beverly Hilton and we're in Santa Monica opening up something in Victoria, BC, where there's exceptionally high ROI on recovery and on exercise. There's ways to lift where you put on three times more muscle per minute of exercise than what you do now. There's a kind of AI-driven exercise bike that produces in multiple studies at the University of Colorado it produces more cardiovascular benefits in seven minutes of slow exercise with 40 seconds of intense exercise and mixed in. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't sweat. You get more cardiovascular benefits from seven minutes of that than 45 minutes of sweating it out on a spinning bike. So did you want the other 38 minutes of your time back? Well, if you bill per minute, you sure did. <laughs> and it comes down to that. You have to value yourself. So you find out what works. The other kind of exercise that's really important, whether you're fasted or not, you need to move for 20 minutes a day, just a walk. It doesn't have to be a crazy walk, right? So you can go for a walk and you can be on the phone if you want to. You can walk with a friend, but it doesn't have to be anything special. That's minimum effective dose for exercise. You might want to take the stairs too if you have good knees and good hips and you like stairs and the air in your stairwell isn't completely like burned, acrid, you know, pollution air like it is in most office buildings. But whatever the deal is, that's what it takes. So imagine you save five hours a week on exercise and it turns out intermittent fasting creates a lot of the same physiological benefits as exercise anyway. So you can be in a situation, you know, where you're, you're fit. The New York Times called me almost muscular. 
which was awesome because that's what you want to be if you're going to live a very long time. You don't want to be a balloon animal, you know, dude, I'm all swole. If you look like Wolverine, you're not going to live as long. In fact, Wolverine looks like Wolverine because he practices intermittent fasting. <laughs> and then before those scenes, all of the Hollywood people, they take diuretics and they dread the shirts off scenes. You know, they're looking all ripped and shredded and they're doing it for a day where they feel like garbage. And if you're saying, well, that's the look I want all the time, even bodybuilders have an off season where they don't do it all the time. So that's not your job. If you're an attorney, you're practicing. If you have a family, you have you know, a practice to grow. Your job is to be lean, but not too lean, and to have tons of energy beyond belief, and to have muscle mass, but not excessive muscle mass, and to not have those vegan legs that come from people who just don't know how to eat. I'd love to talk about fasting as it applies to just mental and, and spiritual health. And, and this is fascinating to me because you know, fasting seems to have a place in nearly every you know, spiritual practice and religion from Islam to Buddhism to Hinduism, Judaism, and so on. But if, if you could kind of speak to the effects of fasting on mental health, spiritual health. The reason that we think most spiritual traditions have uh, fasting built in is that after two to three days of fasting, you do go into a state of ketosis. And a state of ketosis creates mental clarity because it feeds the neurons better. So now that you have this clarity, you have the energy to go inwards and look at what's going on in there. And traditionally, they would fast in a cave the way I did for the book. They would fast and relax and reflect. And what's happening here is there's metabolic and health benefits, profound health benefits for fasting without the spiritual practice. And during the week, most people, including me, are not going to say, oh, I did intermittent fast, so all morning I journaled. That would be freaking great. But I don't know, I got an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and I have four companies right now. So I'm not gonna do that. And it's okay to not do that. But there's also times I'm saying, all right, I'm gonna take the time, I'm gonna do my personal development work now. And when you do that in a fasted state, you actually take the extra energy from the ketones of fasting and the lack of distractions from food and all the other stimulus, and you start looking at what's going on in there. You look at you know, which of your beliefs are true. And this is that reflective spiritual fasting. And something that I'm doing for people who um, buy fast this way is I'm leading them on a two-week course where I'm teaching the book. I, I taught at the University of California for five years. I, I ran a program to teach engineers how to build the internet. And so I, I love teaching and I haven't done it. And I realize I've been writing these, these books, but I haven't followed through. So as a gift for people who, who pick up the book, you go to fastthisway.com, send me your receipt, and then I'll enroll you in this where I teach you how to do the very basic intermittent fast with all the hacks. And then I teach you how to do it and we'll do a one meal a day fast. And for the last two days, I'm actually doing a, a spiritual fast where it's on a Saturday and a Sunday. And you're actually going to you know, have dinner on Friday, and then you're not going to eat for at least 24 hours and maybe 36 hours, maybe 48 hours, depending on what your biology wants. But I'll talk about the meditation aspects of this. And what you find is that the amount of noise in your brain from those three F words is exceptional. And when you become aware of that through this process of spiritual fasting, it turns down the noise and it turns it down sometimes permanently. And sometimes you need deeper practices. That's why I, one of my, those four companies I mentioned is called 40 Years of Zen, where you hook electrodes up to your head and you know you can go in and edit out those reactions. But even without that, just the act of saying, you know what, I'm gonna sit, yeah, I'm feeling hungry right now, but like, is the hunger real? Like, why is it, why is it there? And then you're gonna find, how do I wanna distract myself? And in Fast This Way, I talk about other forms of fasting. 
So anytime you give the body a lack of something it thinks it needs, it freaks out, but then it becomes stronger. So you can actually fast from, well, the, the ultimate spiritual fast is at the end of the book. I talk about fasting from hate. Like see if you can go four hours without thinking a negative thought about anyone or anything. And it won't happen if you're looking at the news or your Google news feed or whatever else, right? So do you have that level of control? And if you don't, who's in control? That's what you get from spiritual fasting is all right, I've got the time and I've got the energy to pay attention to, you know, what programming am I running that I didn't know about? And what I find, and I've, I've actually done the neurofeedback process on multiple attorneys, is your level, your ability to think rationally and to behave exactly the way you want goes through the roof and it doesn't take more energy. Because what most of us do is we sit there in a boardroom, God, I've done this a lot in the earlier parts of my career, we all know how to put on the game face. Inside, we're like, I still want to punch that guy like that. What a punk ass. You're sitting there and you're like, okay, but you're going to smile and you're going to nod and you're going to like insert the barb right where you need to. And you know, you're, you're going to do it, right? But it costs you a lot. And when you've learned this practice of understanding what's going on in there, which is more meditation, but it works so much better in a fasted state, you end up realizing, oh, I can still do this, but it costs me less to do it, which means I can do it for longer than the other guy and they're gonna crack and I'm not. And I've trained world series of poker champions. They're drinking their bulletproof coffee. They're actually fasting. <laughs> They've done the deep the kind of spiritual work we just talked about. And you know, at the end of 12 hours of poker, Everyone's like, oh, all right, we got to call the game. But the rule is you only call when everyone agrees. And he's like, nope, I'm still good. <laughs> and he grinds them down because he's the one with the most energy, right? And he can still read them and they're all, you know, just, you know, losing it. Being the guy with the most energy in the room, the most emotional control, and the guy who expends the least energy to get what you want done makes you win. And learning how to fast is a part of becoming that person. I know this, there was a time you stated that you want to live to be 180 years old. And I'm, I'm sure people hearing this, that maybe there's going to be an eyebrow raise or two, but how did you come to that number? And this is always very fascinating to me because we do have the ability to live longer and we're seeing a lot of just great science coming out and so on that's extending lifespans and so on. But how did you, how did you come to 180? Well, I want to be really clear. It's at least 180 because I think that's a conservative number. And now people are saying, Dave, that's such BS, but l l let me walk you through the logic. There are five people today who are 120 years old, well-documented with, that's not a lot of people. Okay, 120 years ago, it was 1900. There's no airplanes, there's no cars. We were gonna fight World War I, still on horseback for a lot of it, okay? That's what the world looked like back then. We didn't understand bacteria. We didn't have antibiotics. We couldn't spell DNA because we hadn't invented it. It was a different world and they're still around. Look at what's happened in that one lifetime. Now, if the best we can do today is 120, if we can't do 50% better than our best in the next 100 freaking years, it's because a comet hit the planet. Now, as a part of becoming a expert level biohacker, for more than a decade, I ran an anti-aging nonprofit group where we'd bring experts in and interview them in front of a, a group of about 100 people in Palo Alto, California. And we would talk about this. And I met people when I was in my 20s who were in their 80s who had more energy than I did. And they were full of life and full of energy. I'm like, I want that because I didn't have it when I was young. And I got that. And so I've seen it happen. And 
I've become friends with the top researchers. I've interviewed 850 of them on Bulletproof Radio. 850 people, not all of them are anti-aging doctors, but people doing the clinical research. And for the first time ever, you can have someone with tenure at a major academic institution stand up and say, we can reverse biological aging in cells. If you just said that 10 years ago, they'd have taken your tenure and laughed you out of there. They would have blackballed you. And it's because they've been working on it for 20 and 30 years. And we are right now at the point where we understand more about our biology than any time in human history. And it is becoming possible. And right now, yes, I wrote a whole book about that. And I've done all the treatments that the billionaires do. And I wrote about what it's like. But it's going to become like cell phones were. If you're an older attorney listening to this, you remember the early 90s. And that was when the first mobile phones became available. Maybe it was the late 80s. And you'd see you know, people in their Mercedes convertible 300D. And the whole trunk is a cell phone. And it costs 50 grand for the phone. And it's $25 a minute. And they're driving down the road. And everyone's like, look at that jerk. Who does he think he is, right? Well, you can buy a smartphone in Africa for a dollar a month today in our lifetime. That's how fast things change. We're in an era of exponential change. So, of course, we're going to live to at least 180 if a piano doesn't hit you and if you can afford it. But the costs will drop dramatically. If you want to do that, you have to make it to the point when all of these advances come out and are available. You must start intermittent fasting. It is easier than having breakfast, but the anti-aging benefits of it are so strong and the cognitive benefits of it are so strong and just feeling good all the time benefits are so strong. You do it now. It's going to add years to your life. And if you did no other interventions, it just means that the last 10 or 20 years of your life, you won't be wearing diapers. You won't have hoses where you don't want them. And you'll remember your own name. That's how important intermittent fasting is. That's why I wrote a book about it. I only write about books that are worth people's time to read. And this is based on 10 years of doing it and 10 years of helping people lose a million pounds on the Bulletproof diet, which has always included intermittent fasting. And this idea that, oh, you have to do it and you have to live your life and be a successful, busy executive at the same time, that's missing from a lot of the health stuff. Like, oh, we tested mice. We tested patients who weren't doing anything. Well, no, the people listen to this podcast, they have stuff to do. So how do you do the fasting thing? How do you do the other things that make you younger and stronger and faster and smarter and still do what you're here to do? That's the challenge. And that's why it's different than, you know, human performance optimization. Screw optimization. I just want more. I want better. I want faster, stronger, longer lived, more energy. And I don't want to give anything up to do it. And if it, to optimize, I have to say, oh, I just gave up, you know, dinner with friends every night because I had to go to the gym for two hours or whatever kind of stuff. That's an optimization. No, I don't want to do that. I simply want better. So I've, I've asked this question of a number of the guests that we've had on the podcast, but I get the, I get the sense that we may get a more elaborate answer out of you. So I'm, I'm interested in what are some of the, the daily habits that you practice or that keep you on track and operating at peak state? Getting data to know that what you think works actually works is the most important thing you can do. And there's two pieces of technology that everyone who listens to this podcast can afford and should buy right now. Um, by the way, full disclosure, I have invested in both of these companies because I think they're awesome. It won't change my life if you do or don't buy it. I'm already successful, but I put my money where my mouth is. One of them is the Aura Ring, O-U-R-A. This is the best health tracker and sleep tracker you can buy right now. I was CTO and co-founder of a wristband company, the first company to get wristband uh, data on heart rate. We sold the company for $100 million to Intel. I know the space really well. The Aura Ring is a miracle. You put it on, it looks like a normal piece of jewelry. You charge it once a week. 
And every morning when you wake up, it's going to give you two numbers. One is how well did you sleep last night? And you can look at how much deep sleep, how much REM, and then you realize, oh, what I do before bed radically changes the ROI on my night's sleep. I don't care if you sleep eight hours. I care if you slept awesome for six and a half hours because that's worth more than eight hours of garbage sleep. So sleep is not all the same. You just want to get good sleep. I sleep an average of six and a half hours a night. The people who live the longest in a very large study of 1.2 million people, they sleep six and a half hours a night, but they get really good sleep and they're really healthy, so they need less sleep. So don't cut your sleep on purpose to live longer, but do the right things, including intermittent fasting, so that your body's like, I woke up, I was good to go. I just didn't need eight or nine hours of sleep. So the aura ring is gonna tell you, did you do a good job sleeping last night? The second thing, and you can't, uh, you wouldn't be able to see it because I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt, it's a device from Levels Health. And this is a little thing. Every two weeks, you take like a rubber stamp and you stamp it on the back of your arm and it puts a little tiny puck there. And it will track your blood sugar 24-7. You wave your phone over it and it tells you what did your last meal do to your blood sugar. And if you're going, God, I'm really hungry. And then you just wave your phone over your arm and it says, uh, your blood sugar is 120. What that means is you're having a craving because you have plenty of energy available for your body right now. It's just not using it, right? So all of a sudden you become aware of what did I do to change my sleep? And what did the food I just ate do to me? And those two things, I've seen countless people lose weight because now you actually know what works. You got feedback. Whereas right now, we're kind of just walking around hoping it works. So those two things will just change everything because now you can't lie to yourself and you can't believe something that doesn't work. If everyone says, oh, have a couple of drinks before bed, it'll help you go to sleep. And you wake up in the morning going, oh my God, I got five minutes of deep sleep and 20 minutes of REM sleep which is the dreaming state. Now you want two hours of deep sleep and two hours of REM sleep. You know, maybe you should try it without the alcohol and see what happens. Is that ambient working for you? No, it's not, right? So you can see it now. And when you see it, change becomes painless because you want to win. You want to do what works. You want to see your numbers go up. So these are two really simple and easy things. So better sleep and knowing how to compose your food so you don't get a crazy blood sugar spike and you get hypoglycemia. By the way, intermittent fasting will improve your sleep and it'll improve your blood sugar regulation, which is one of the many reasons that you want to consider learning how to do this in a way that's designed for people who have stuff to do. And Dave, as we come to a close, now I know we've, we both have books that have this word in the title. So I know you wrote the book, Game Changers. I wrote The Game Changing Attorney. Um, they were two months apart. So I promise like, if, if we could agree not to send each other a cease and desist. But you know, this being the Game Changing Attorney podcast, what does being a game changer mean to you? It's funny, you and I both read The Tea Leaves well. Some animal rights um, radicals, some of who have been to jail, actually made a, a documentary, well, a piece of fiction labeled as a documentary about a plant-based diet right about the same time both of our books came out. So Game Changing and Game Changers is actually in the, uh, it's in the collective consciousness. So congratulations on picking a good name. And to me, what being a game changer is, is it someone who's done something that's changed the world or changed a lot of other people's lives? For me, that might mean a Nobel Prize winner or a Navy SEAL or someone who's created a new field of medicine or someone who's solved a major problem in aging. And what I did is in the first 500 or so episodes of Bulletproof Radio, I asked every one of these amazing people I got to interview to tell me the three most important pieces of advice for people who wanted to perform better as a human being. Then I statistically correlated and analyzed all of their answers to find out what game changers have in common. Because following a guru is very dangerous because what worked for them might not work for you. But when you look at what 500 people have done really well, what they think is most important 
uh, I boiled it down to something like 46 rules in, uh, in my book, Game Changers. And it's actually my highest rated book. It's almost all five-star reviews. And it's sort of, you, know, you read four pages, like, oh, that rule, that sticks for me. I'm going to do that one. So it's sort of like a menu of all the things that people who kick the most ass actually do. And the reason I asked them all that is I also want to kick ass. So like, how do I learn from all these people and how do my listeners learn? So that's what being a game changer means to me. It's you've made a really big difference in the world in your own field. I want to give a huge thank you to Dave Asprey for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, what particularly resonated for me is that we really do have the ability to hack our own biology and that fasting is not about starving. It's about control because the person with the most control of their energy and emotions will always win. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with me, Michael Mogul. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share the podcast with at least one other ambitious law firm owner who you believe would benefit. And you know what? Maybe more than one. For more information on our interview with Dave Asprey, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit GameChangingAttorney.com. And join us next time and we'll be speaking with New York Times bestselling author and co-founder of Scribe Media, Tucker Max. We all do dumb shit in our 20s. Some people do not that dumb shit. Some people do really dumb shit. I tended towards the really dumb shit category. The difference between me and anyone else is I wrote it down. That's next time on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Mm-hmm.